You can now relive the best moments of the UEFA Champions League 24-7. The UEFA Champions League channel is a new 24-hour streaming channel serving non-stop goals, highlights, and full match replays from the world's most prestigious club competition. Reminisce on your favorite moments, legendary players, and brilliant goals with the UEFA Champions League channel, streaming around the clock on Pluto TV and the CBS Sports app. On the Michigan Basketball Insider, Sam Webb and my guy Tim McCormick, always a blast to be on with Tim. I hope you guys get as much out of these conversations that I have with my guy. This is how Tim and I, you know, like we talk before we come on. This is how we talk. So I hope you appreciate us bringing that same sort of vibe and relationship that we have off air, on air. And even in a season that ended in disappointment like this, like this one did, that it can help you get through. That's what Tim does for me. I hope he does it for you as well. Who am I talking about? My man, Tim McCormick. He's my big fella. Roamed the middle for the Wolverines in the early to mid-80s before being a first-round draft pick, playing in the NBA for 10 years. Now he is an outstanding commentator, college and pro. And, of course, he does a great job with the NBA Players Association, does a great job with the NBA Players Association Top 100 camp, which I'm looking forward to yet again this year. And he is with us now to look back on the season and to maybe inject a little optimism in the fan base. Tim, how you doing? I'm good. I'm transitioning to football recruiting. I'm really enjoying <laughs> that a lot. Um, Sam, good to talk to you. It, it's been six days since the Michigan basketball season ended, and we've all had plenty of time to kind of evaluate the season and the collapse at the end. And then, you know, the, the tough part of analyzing Michigan basketball right now, it's, it's during the NCAA tournament. And, you know, so we're forced to kind of compare Michigan to elite, high-functioning teams. So here's just a couple of thoughts. Um, Michigan basketball this year, I thought, was dysfunctional. Um, they were good enough to compete with some of the best, but more likely than not, they would collapse at the end, and that happened over and over and over again. Um, why did it happen? There's a lot of reasons. Uh, one point guard is not going to work. It's not going to work at any level. Uh, no guard depth at all. The guards that they did have were young. Um, no scoring at the power forward. And the bench players, 6 through 10, I don't know if this is unfair to me. I mean, I, I, I broadcast a lot of mid-major basketball Michigan's support guys, to me, look like they're mid-major players right now. Not saying they can't develop. Um, and then also, I thought the chemistry within the team never seemed good. It, they just didn't. And I've been on teams with really good talent and excellent coaches and great potential and bad chemistry. And and it happens for a lot of different reasons. There can be, what, infighting and and like jealousy and hidden agendas and unfair treatment i mean there can be a, a father son issue too um i don't i don't really know what it is and maybe i'm wrong but this team just never seemed to be on a mission they were missing something and and it just was it was hard to 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 watch at times because they do have they have pros they they've got some really good pros 
They've got some building blocks, but there are some gaping holes that, that need to be repaired. Yeah, so, uh, you know, I'm going to sound a little bit repetitive here, but yeah, there's a point to it. Uh, you know, Juwan said after they lost to Vanderbilt, and we'll break that game down coming up, he said that, you know, we all have to improve. Uh, and I always appreciate when a coach just doesn't, Sorry, man, we got to improve at this position and we got to improve at that position. You know, what can you as a coach improve in too? Because it's never to me when you fall as, as far short of your goals as Michigan did, it's never just about the players. It's what can the coaches do too. So I'm going to go back to what I said before. I think this was a bad roster management year uh, for them. Now, there are, there are aspects of this that you can't control, like Jalen Llewellyn being hurt. Can't control that. But when you look back at last season and who you kept or tried to keep versus who you who you just let go and then what you pursued in the portal and and when when your portal pursuits picked up, these are all things that I think in retrospect, if they had to do over again, they would. Right. So, uh, you know, to, to me. You have got to get to a point where you feel comfortable in the era of the portal going hard in the portal, even when you don't know what your what your scholarship availability is. And admittedly, they were hamstrung in with knowing what their roster numbers would be last year with Caleb and Musa. Nothing you can do about that. But I always go back to the John Beeline uh, deal where you had uh, battle. And I'm trying to remember. The uh, the guard at Michigan State who who got like his sixth year he kept blowing out his knee can't remember his name from Georgia anyway he was a five star yeah. guy he wanted to come to Michigan Tim and Tim uh, Michigan could only take one they had a spot for a wing and a spot for a point guard at the time it was Cassius Winston so they took their wing they they took battle and. When my man that wound up at Michigan State, forgive me for not remembering his name. I'm sorry. He called Michigan and said, I want to come. And John told him, I don't have a scholarship for you. Now, Battle winds up decommitting, right? By this time, uh, the other kid, he he's committed to Michigan State at that point. He's not listening to anything. And John Beeline, from that moment, I mean, it was in the same cycle, said, I will never make that mistake again. I will never go into recruiting, kind of feeling like I'm going to have space, even though I don't know where that space is going to come from, I'll never repeat this mistake. Yeah, I'm going to recruit my guys anticipating some spot, a spot will open up. So what did he do in that cycle? In the same cycle that he just turned down a five-star, he went out and he went ahead and extended an offer to Miles Bridges at that time. And this is, this is after he took Ibby Watson. So he had already taken another guy and he extended another offer. To, to Miles Bridges. So I'm I, I think that for Michigan on the portal side of things, I'm seeing the same kind of deal come up right now where they don't quite know what their roster availability or scholarship availability will be. But they're kind of anticipating now, you know what, something's gonna come open. So let's get out in this portal and recruit. I don't think they did that soon enough last year, Tim. You sparked a lot of thoughts. Um first of all I think we're getting to the point where if you went into the portal and you found a Mike Smith or a Devontae Jones, a, a guy like that, a Jalen Llewellyn, and if you just said, look, 
I don't really know what our roster spot is, but I've got a roster spot for you, and we're going to give you 150 grand, and you've got to pay your own school. I think that 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 could be a problem down the road for the NCAA. I don't know. I mean, if if you've got really deep pockets, it's kind of like back when Nebraska would have 150 football players and they're all walk-ons. I I don't know how that worked out, but I think that that that's something that, that, that we can see happening in the future. I also, I, I, um, I was thinking about this season and I also want to remind our, our fans that there are no guarantees in sports and we've been so spoiled with five straight sweet 16s. Uh, one of the best runs in the big 10, definitely one of the best in Michigan history. You know, we're not entitled to massive success every year. The roster just wasn't good enough and the athleticism wasn't good enough and the conditioning needs to improve and the talent needs an upgrade and so does the perimeter shooting. I mean, this year's team was flawed, but I don't think it's terminal. And and if the key players return and and we, we see an upgrade in the talent level, I can see us one year from now, rather than lamenting all the problems this team had, um, that we could be talking about what it needs to do to get to the, the Elite Eight. Um, I think that they've got enough talent and enough resources to make that happen. And, and, you know, we, we, we talk about what, what, um, you know, what's going to happen this year. I think one of the key moves is that I, I doubt seriously if Jet Howard's going to be back. I don't know if you have a different idea on that, but yeah. it seems to me like that's, that's the next move we're going to hear. Yeah. So Josh Langford is who I was talking about. Josh Langford gotcha. yeah. Yeah. wanted to come to Michigan. Tyus Battle had jumped him. Like he 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 the way I remember it is Josh Langford was really feeling Michigan all the way through. Tyus Battle comes on a visit, uh, really kind of sees that Josh Langford's about to commit. He jumps on the offer and takes it. Langford calls and wants to come too. And at that point, Beeline doesn't know for sure he's gonna have another spot. And so it's like, well, <laughs> I can't take you because I got a spot for a, for a point guard. Hmm. Well, Tyus Battle decommits. You try to go back on Josh Langford. He's like, no, nah, I'm good. Uh, even though you you go out and you get Ibby Watson, you're still trying to pursue Miles Bridges, who goes to Michigan State. My point in bringing that up is you saw John Beeline, who is the most ethical coach you could imagine. There's no more ethical coach than John Beeline saying, I, I don't know what my scholarship situation is, but I'm going to go get a, I, I'm going to go pursue guys because I feel like some space is going to open up. I see kind of a, you know, a little bit of a, a portal maturation for Michigan in that regard. Maybe they're just more certain that they're going to have space this year. Uh, and that's driving kind of the aggression in the portal right now because they are in there uh, hard. Uh, but even if, even if they don't know for sure, I just like – that we see a little bit of a pivot there. The other piece is there has to be an understanding of what you can get, what you can get out of this portal, Tim. I mean, you know, the water. I think you've got to go young. you got to go young, Sam. You do. You do. you got to go. And, and I'm, I'm, I'm talking about just from the standpoint of what you can get into Michigan. Like, if you go older, if you go upperclassmen, that guy is going to have to be willing to relinquish credits and transfer. That is just a fact of life at Michigan. And before you say Santa Ono is going to change that, this it's not just an athletics thing. 
you know, this is this is an admissions thing across the board. So do you want to do you want to say uh, to your entire university that you're going to change the admission structure for the whole school? Hmm. I don't think they're going to do that. So yeah. football made well, the, made that pivot. Basketball has to make that pivot too. And and I think Michigan State is a good example. Um, they they took Tyson Walker and Joey Hauser as as transfers. And they had time to come in and learn the system and become part of the culture. And that's a big reason why Michigan State is in the Sweet 16 and Michigan is not. Yeah, no doubt, no doubt. So uh, the roster management piece is is a huge, huge part of it. I think that's, you know, one of the reasons why, obviously, they couldn't get Terrence Shannon in. Uh, and then who, what do you, what do you target? You know, I, I what should they target? Got to get a four. Uh, and then I think they, they got to get, uh, some some wing help, uh, some wing help that I hope depending on what happens with with Kobe and you we'll we'll start with Jet. Uh, Kobe is is the bigger question mark for me because Kobe solves your problem in, in a couple. Of, he can be uh, in your point guard rotation. He's obviously a good wing. He's uh, he is their best defender. Uh, his three point shooting was coming along. It's just man, uh, if you're asking me who's more crucial to next year. Kobe's more crucial because he fills more holes for you. That doesn't mean that Jet isn't important. Jet is really important. What do I think he's going to do? Uh, I don't pretend to have had any conversations with Jet. This is just the outside looking in. And I think people know that uh, I think Jet has a world of talent. I think that he can be a star. Um, I don't think that he is um I, I don't think that he necessarily thinks co- more college is necessary for him to get there this is just my my impression from talking to him and and just feeling like he's you know college is a is you know you go there you play for your dad but it just felt like to me he wanted to get to the nba as soon as he could he's still a first rounder right this is yep, so no doubt yeah, you can't compare him to like he's so much better than than Caleb Houston. Like he's a better shooter. He we we saw his his off the off the deck off the uh, off the dribble game really coming around him. Um, you know, defense has some a lot of room for for build up. But if an NBA team is going to take you a shooter, you know they they'll take a shot on a shooter that needs some help defensively because that's just more important to him. And Jet can shoot. My fear for Jet, and you tell me if you can get with this, to Nick Stauskas. Nick Stauskas was a shooter, a highly drafted shooter, right? And so you can go to this league, and I know a lot of people will, will point to to um, uh, to my man at um, the Heat, Duncan. Point to, point to Duncan Robinson as the, as the case, but I look more at Nick because Nick was a first-round pick, and you just expect, as a first round pick, you know, lottery pick, no less. You expect that that guy's going to stick. He's going to be in the NBA forever because he is a high pick. You got to have the tools to stick. Either you, you're an elite, elite, elite shooter, right? And you, you do something that j- they just cannot do without. If you are not, if you don't have enough tools in the kit to stick, they will move past you, even if you're a lottery pick. And that's, that's my fear that, you know, he'll get there. We know he can shoot it. But if he doesn't have enough in his toolkit, it'll be one of those things where he's a journeyman. Jet's so gifted. 
And and I I think that he made a major improvement in his game. You were there at the top 100 camp, Sam. We saw where he was. If Jet goes in the draft, I think he's going to be a top 20 pick, even with his ankle issues and a slow finish. He's going to test really well as an athlete. Um, I mean, not world-class athlete, but he's he's going to test well. He's going to interview great. Um, the shooting drills that you do at the combine, he's gonna, he'll be one of the best. The individual workouts he'll shine. I think the NBA loves bloodlines. They're, they're going to say, you know, this is Juwan How- Howard's son. He's a thoroughbred athlete. He's built to, to play in this league. Um, I, I also think that if, if you look at the fact that every, everybody would say the same thing about Jet. Hey, if, if he comes back to Michigan, he's got a chance to be first team all big ten. He's, yeah, he's man. and yeah. and you know what it but but Sam, if if he if he's saying that, if I'm saying that, if you're saying that, the NBA saying, well, yeah, well, if he's gonna be all big ten first team, he could make an all American team. Why don't we get him right now? And we get him in our system a year early. That's where he's trending, so let's get him. Um I I also part of the reason I think he'll he'll leave, I sensed a lot of tension just watching this year. Um, the games that I saw in person, I, I watched Jet and Juwan a lot. It's so hard to coach your kids. It's really nearly impossible. And and I think that the challenges that those those two faced this year, uh, I I think that it hurt team chemistry. I you know I saw when when Jet made some some poor defensive moves, some mental lapses, some freshman mistakes. We we all saw it. And and I just don't know as a dad, I mean, what what are you gonna do? How how do you treat that? And I think the whole team sensed it. I think that's a big reason why there were some chemistry issues this year. Do do you see that or do you think so, I'm off base? You know, uh, I don't know if you're off base. Um, you know, father son dynamics can be different. You know, if you saw me with my son, you would see me kind of getting at him much the same way that Juwan gets a jet. And that's just that's just the, the kind of interaction that I have. And not everyone does it that way. And I think because our relationship is that way, my kid is not like, I mean, it's not a tension thing. That's just how we go back and forth. And so I wouldn't I wouldn't assume that. I, I guess my first assumption wouldn't be that they have a, a, a relationship or a chemistry issue in, in a basketball sense. My first assumption would be, and that's just how they, that's just how they go. That's how they go back and forth. That Jawan is always in Jets behind, and and Jed is sometimes he's like, all right, Dad, and other times it it, it kind of gets them going. I don't know. You know, I haven't had that conversation. I'm not around either of them enough to, to know which is which. And I, and I, um, I looked up some numbers, Sam, I wanted to share these with you because, you know, I, I know we've talked about DJ Wilson, right? You know, he, he never really got to that second contract and that's not a good thing, right? Like you, you want to go there and be able to get the second contract, but let me look at this. So DJ Wilson, six ten, prototypical NBA wing, right? Um, he's 27 now. He was on three NBA teams, never really played much, three G League teams, and he didn't make it to the second contract. So it didn't work out 
His career earnings so far, just take a guess. Five million? Twelve. Twelve million, okay. Twelve million. And he didn't make it. He didn't make it, Sam. Um, and then another example, we've talked about Musa. Musa is the 43rd pick, second round. He's on a two-way contract. He's not even he's not even a full-time NBA player now. Um, he's played 18 games, three points, three assists. This year he'll make 508,000. It might triple to next year. Okay, he's not making it, but but he's going to have two million dollars at the end of two years. Caleb Houston, number 32 pick. How's he playing in Orlando? Have you followed him at all? I only saw them very, very early in the year. I haven't really kept track since. The last seven games, he's averaging 0.0. Seven straight games without a point. He's played 47 minutes, zero points. His deal, 8.2 over four years. So, you know, when when we say the guy's got to get to that second contract, I mean, those are second-round draft picks. Jet would be a first-round draft pick, and you can imagine how much money he would make. So it's not ridiculous. To, I, like I, I, the second contract can be a hundred million. You know, ask Jordan right. Poole that. I, but ask, ask Jawan Howard that. I think that if he goes, it's more about man. I just I want to be a pro. I'm, I think I'm ready for the NBA, uh, and I think I think I can develop my skill set just as fast there and it gets me on that track as an NBA guy right now. I think it has more to do with that. It's just speculation on my part. Then it does. No, you, your thoughts are good, Sam. And I, I also believe that Jet sees himself as an NBA player and, and he's got, he's got that cockiness and that attitude that great players have. And I think he knows if he's a top 20 pick, you know, regardless of what happened, he's going to walk away with $20 million at the end of five years. Yeah. And and I don't know this for sure, but I would imagine that Jalen Llewellyn is on that, that table getting treatment on his knee every day, and he can't run, and he can't play, and he's, you know, he's grinding it out with, with um, Sandman every day. And I think that the Jet and all of those guys see how fragile it is. Jalen's just playing ball, and all of a sudden his year's over. I, I, I think in the back of Jet's mind, he sees him every day and thinks, "Man, that that's that's messed up. That could be me if I'm not careful." That's a definitely another consideration, another factor to put in there. The the injury risk if you decide to come back. At the end of the day, I want what Jet wants. That's that's how I approach these things. You know, if Jet goes to to the NBA, I just want him to get to a team. That really is, you know, they say they're invested in a guy. They're invested in developing a guy. And I just don't know that the commitment is the same across the board. And sometimes it's necessary. I mean, we, I ask you all the time because you, you cover the Pistons. And I, I, I wonder if Killian Hayes is with another team, if it already be over. I mean, because you, you really had to wait until now. And it took some exceptional circumstances with the Pistons. I mean, you had look at all the injuries you had to have for him to really get his shot, to, to go through all the growing pains he had to show that he, he, can, he can at least be a rotation guy in this league. Because, yeah. Tim, that was a question. 
as at one point you're questioning, man, can this dude is is he even a rotation guy in this league? And now you can see that he's at least a rotation guy, but it took three years into his career to see that. Yeah. Over the last ten games, Killian Hayes is averaging fifteen and nine, so he's he's getting better and the Pistons are committed to him. But look, I, I don't know if it sounds like I'm going back or forth with Jet because I also inside I'm laughing just remembering my transition. Um one time early in my rookie year, I um you know, I've, you've got your your times that you've got to meet your coach and you've got to get your workouts before the vets get there. And I was a couple minutes late and I, I jumped on the table to get my ankles taped. And Ch- Tom Chambers walked in and said, hey, Rook, I'm up now. You you go wait for me to get done. And so I was like, well, I've got to meet the coach in a couple minutes. You you meet the coach after I'm done. And then he got done and Jack Sigma walked in and said, no, Tim, you're, you know, you're after me. Like, I missed, I missed it. I was late. I missed the start of my workout because they, they keep, they, they keep pushing me back. Um, and then the, the other thing it's, I, I want to watch his first game, just watching Jet defend this year. Like the first time he goes in the game, DeMar DeRozan is going to say, give me the ball and everybody get out of the way. And he's just going to go right by him and punish him. Cause that's, that, that's what the NBA is about. It's, it's going to be a fun story to follow. Yeah, it, it, like I said, I, I think he has star potential, and I hope he lands in the. I hope he lands the way that JP, the jo- Jordan Poole, if he lands with any other team, Tim, I, don't, I think the story's different. I think he landed with the perfect team, and I Agreed. just hope if Jet goes, that he lands with the perfect team. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Which brings us to Kobe. And listen, I, I wonder what you think, Tim. I, yeah, I saw you shaking your head when I said, you know, if you got to choose a guy to have back, both very talented, both being first round guys and both Jet and Kobe are, the guy you got to have back is Kobe. He's, he, he's you got to, I mean, he, he just fill, fills more holes for you if he comes back if you're Michigan. Yeah. I um I, I think he'll come back. I'm fairly confident he will. I think that he he idolizes Juwan. I think he loves his 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 teammates and his coaches. But I, I think the key is mom and dad. I, I um I think that's a, a very unique education based, character based uh, family that 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 really understands the big picture, the longevity of this thing, that they see that that Kobe has star potential as a player, but I I believe they look at him as more than just a ball player. I 
you know, I can imagine Kobe's mom and dad having serious conversations about, okay, what's the deal with this B minus that you got in history? Like that's not acceptable. I, I think they hold him to a much higher standard than, than most ball players. And I think Jets that way too. I think his parents have done an, an amazing job on both of their, their boys. But I, I, I do think that, that Kobe sees the long, the long term and, and he's, he was just kind of figuring out how to be a star this year. Yeah, he, was. He, do, he doesn't he doesn't have it yet, you know, to do it every game. But he had some stretches where you thought, okay, th- this is this is going to be good. And uh, I, I talked to uh, to um, Calbert Chaney not long ago. I think he's with the Pacers, and we talked a little bit about you know star star treatment, how, how you become a star, because I I, I sort of they're, they're different players. Calbert Chaney's a lot bigger. He played in Indiana, for those that don't know. But they're both lefties, and, and Calbert was so skinny. And I, I just I really enjoyed watching him learn how to take over games. I think that that's the next step for, for Kobe. And this may sound crazy because I'm the biggest Hunter Dickinson fan, but it wouldn't shock me if he came back and, and – uh, it, and Kobe became the go-to guy. If, if he he could become the star of this team, and if that were to happen, why can't Michigan win a Big Ten next year? Well, hey, look, it's it's this college basketball not, not present company, not intended to offend, is a guards game. Yeah. No doubt. You, you you go where your guards take you. Used to be a big fella game. Used to be. For for Kobe, and I look back over the course of the season. You are so right, Tim. At the beginning of the year, he wasn't ready to be what he eventually became. And and frankly, they weren't asking him to be. You got Jalen Llewellyn there. And, you know, in retrospect, you know, if they knew then what they know now, maybe you say, all right, Jalen, you're playing second field. We're getting Kobe ready. And, and so you, you, you're starting to, to, to maybe force feed that a little bit earlier in the season. They would have been better off for it. I'm not criticizing. Because I, I, you, you do go with your your veteran guy, in Jalen Llewellyn. But if if we start off next year and Jalen Llewellyn's back, man, he's hey, dude, my Kobe is the guy that is. Once we get in the half court, Kobe's the setup man. You know, he is the guy in the two man game. He is the guy making things go. And this is if if I'm him, what I'm looking at is he's on some first round boards. I know. That, you know, all these uh, talk to scouts, talk to coaches from other Big Ten teams. They're saying it is seeming like things are solidifying him as a late first round pick. But Kobe, if I'm if I'm him, I'm looking at it saying, man, I I got more tools than the kid. I, I defend, I shoot, I shoot, I can I can be a setup guy. I'm I'm better than some of the guys they have on the board ahead of me right now. I think, I think that's the case for Kobe. So come back. And he is a lottery pick, Tim. I mean, that dude yeah. is that dude has star potential. I look at it like I remember when we were talking about Purdue and Jay Nivey after his freshman year, and everyone was like, hey, he could go. He could, he could be a guy in the draft right now. He came back and he's a lottery pick. I'd see the same thing for Kobe coming back after this year. He if he comes back next year, Kobe Bufkin is a lottery pick. Here's the problem that if Kobe asked me my advice, I'd say, well, first of all, go to the draft combine, Ch- check it out, you know, compete against the other guys, let the NBA see you, let them evaluate you, learn how, 
to go into the interviews and find out what your value is. The problem with following in that my advice is that you're kind of putting your program in a hostage situation because you don't know if he's coming back. And any good play, you know, the Terrence Shannon of this year's class would say, yeah, I'd love to come. What's Kobe doing? And, and that's a long time to wait. And so I don't know how you manage that. It, it's going to be a big challenge. It is. It is. I, you know, all you can do is, and I talked to Phil about this, actually. He said, you give the guys all the information. You know, you, you kind of put yourself in a position to not tell them necessarily what you think they should do. And more so, you provide them, you know, this is what all the scouts from every team saying, this is where we see you. This is what we think you can do if you can come back, if you come back. And then you're there to support them whatever way they go. Right. Cause mm-hmm. you don't, the last thing you want is for the kid to think that you're being selfish in your, in your assessment of what they should do. So you kind of take a pass on weighing in, well, you should go or you should stay, give them the information, let the family make the decision and then, you know, leave it to them to, to determine what's right. I, I, that, that's what I would appreciate if, if one of my kids were in that position. And that's the way I think Michigan's going to do it. And, uh, you know, I hope it works out in, in a way that is most beneficial to Kobe first. I just happen that, to think that if this is a pure, purely basketball consideration, a basketball stock consideration, I don't know what else he's looking at. It's all about basketball stock, Tim. I think coming back, it, he he would be a dude next year. A dude. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So um, so let's talk a little bit about Vandy. We haven't had a chance to break it down. What what did you think? I, I thought that it was more the same with the collapse down the stretch. Uh, they played, you know, 38 and a half, 39 good minutes. And like so many games this season, they collapsed down the stretch. I actually understood it more in this game. Uh, you know, some of the other ones were uh, were more gut-wrenching than or head-banging than others because, like, how could that happen? This time – you know, you're in this in this game with one primary ball handler. I, I just, you know, people keep talking about, well, why is this guy playing? Why is that guy playing? Who else are you going to play in that situation? There were literally no other ball handlers but Dougie that they had. And, and unfortunately for them, you saw some guys really fold under the pressure. There's just no other way to, to slice it. And, you know, it's a different story if Kobe's available, but Kobe wasn't available in this game. Doesn't mean that it was another epic collapse for them in a series of collapses this season. I just find this one more understandable than some of the others that we saw. Yeah. It was a an amazingly underachieving team in some ways, but maybe predictable when you look at the roster. Um, against Vanny, Michigan played eight guys. And tell me if I'm wrong, I think it may be the least athletic team that has worn a Michigan uniform in history. Like if you're, if your two man is Terrence Williams and your three is Joey Baker and Hunter's your big guy. And I mean, it just, it, without Jet and Kobe, you had one guard to play 40 minutes. And um, I was really disappointed with the press break at the end. Um, you know, who is going to bring the ball up? And clearly it's, it's a, a challenge because if Terrence, takes the ball in, you know, his job would be to step right in and get the ball back and break the press. But, you know, he's never broke the press, I would guess. 
and 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 I thought that Michigan should have had their two back men at half court on either sideline to really spread the court and help out. Um, but but those are roles that that were were strained when when uh, originally when I saw that Kobe wasn't playing and and there was really no buzz about him hurting his his um, ankle. I was thinking, is this kind of like the NFL where guys that are looking at the NBA won't play in meaningless games? I was concerned about that. But when I heard it was an Achilles that, that Kobe strained, that changed everything. I, I think that we're, we're smarter now after we watched Kevin Durant strain his Achilles and then he ruptured it the next day. I don't think he messed around with Achilles. I, am, I asked this question the whole game. I said, Thank God that Jerry Stackhouse doesn't want to press and trap us. He like he should have thrown the the entire defensive playbook at Michigan and worn out Doug, but test the other people's handles. Jerry Stackhouse is a stubborn guy and like he doesn't he doesn't press like that, but they they could have won by twenty. Michigan had fifteen turnovers and, and if they would have pressed the whole game, that number would have been way over twenty. Quick, you mentioned Jalen Llewellyn earlier in the show. Uh, I mean, I kind of get the impression that they're going to try to get him back. That, like, like it won't be a question. We were having a debate of do you ask him back. I don't sense that they are having that debate. And I also sense with Joey Baker petitioning for his sixth year that they want him back too because – this is a layered process with, with, with Joey. It's, it's not just him saying, you know, su- submitting a form to the NCAA and say, hey, I, I want to get my sixth year because I played a couple games at the end of my freshman season. This is a process where it, it's the program and you got to get compliance involved, right? And then you got to get Duke involved as well. I mean, there are so many steps to this that you don't go through all that effort for a guy that you aren't trying to get back on your team. So I suspect if Joey gets an extra year that it would be at Michigan. I think so. And I think Jalen Llewellyn will be back. And I, I, I believe that there's plenty of time for him to get back to hundred percent. I would imagine that just looking at the timeline, he probably will not be a point guard or a true point guard. I think I see him more as a combo guard. Um, like, like an Eli Brooks, Eli was better at the shooting guard, but he could play some minutes at point. Um, and I, and I kind of wonder, you know, the, the guys that, and it's, it's very difficult to massage this conversation, but, you know, I think some of the bench guys and examples, Isaiah Barnes, like they, they let him know, Hey, if you come back, you committed to us, we're committed to you, but basically you're not going to play here. And, and so I wonder if that conversation will be held, um, you know, for some of the, the other players especially if they bring in B.J. Mack. Yeah, so let's talk about B.J. Mack. He is one of the most heavily recruited prospects in the portal right now. You got uh, you got power fives all over him, including Michigan. He has a top 10 right now. We just had a story over on uh, 24-7 Sports by Brandon Jenkins, who, uh, I mean, it's hard to tell from the interview if anyone is really sticking out, but it's clear that he sees Jawan Howard, uh, you know, his back, his NBA background as a major, major attribute. And then he mentioned, he talked like he thinks Hunter is coming back. So I don't know 
if they sort of said that to him uh, in the process of talking to him about coming to Michigan. But he said, I'd love to play next to, to Hunter. And you got a, a guy who's been where I wanted to go as far as the NBA is concerned with Juwan Howard. Seems like that'd be a place where I could really improve my stock. Sam, I, uh, I was curious about BJ Mack. And I, I've learned a lesson about evaluating transfer portal guys. I can remember looking at Jalen Llewellyn and Devontae Jones and Mike Smith looking at their mixtapes online. And, and I, I think that there's a better criteria to follow. So what I did is I, I went back um, and watched, I think it was Wofford versus the Citadel and, and another game. Um, they're in the Southern Conference, and, and B.J. Mack averaged 15 and 5. And so I was just kind of curious, like, how does that transfer to the Big Ten? Um, and and I, I still think it's a fun game to try to speculate. But when I watched, I, I think it was the quarterfinals of the SoCon, um, and I, I remember B.J. Mack from the Top 100 camp as well. I wanted to see how he had improved or how he was different. He went to USF for a year, and then he played three years um, at Wofford. He's 6'8 and 250, and, and he was first team all SOCON uh, on a team that was below 500, I believe. Uh, the, the immediate comparison that I had, he looked and moved a lot like Robert Tractor Trailer. Just, you know, big, not super athletic and quick, lateral quickness, not not great. Um, he made 36% of his threes. I didn't see anything in the game. Um, like I didn't see him shoot threes, but I looked up his stats. He looked heavy, and he didn't look like a great athlete. Um, not much lift, not much rim protection, pretty good rebounder. And my concern <clears throat> is that the power forward spot next to Hunter it's not easy. Like, think about Brandon Johns and Terrence Williams and Musa. They they all kind of struggle because Hunter is ball dominant, and he's also a great fit for you know a, a lot of a lot of players that um, you know can play a certain role. Like, like I think of Mikhail Bridges, um, Cam Johnson, Isaiah Livers would be a great fit with Hunter Dickinson, like a smaller four that can handle the ball, can make threes, can move without the ball. Um, Hunter can get guys like those open shots all the time. And I just think that in the Big Ten, B.J. Mack would struggle with some of the athletes and, and some of the size finishing inside. And, and I also think that when you, when you look at the way people would play Michigan, like if you think they, they, they run Hunter Dickinson off pick and rolls, I think B.J. Mack would really struggle in the Big Ten covering pick and roll. So, I, I mean, I, I don't want to, I don't want to break anybody's heart that's so excited that he li- listed Michigan in his top ten. But I just, I, I didn't see it as a great fit myself. Yeah, uh, I wonder if it's one of those cases where beggars can't be choosers, though. Right? No, that's you know, true. That's you true. Know, you know what? What is available? In the in the range of players that you can get, remember so we said you gotta, you know, there's a certain pool that you're talking about. You're talking about freshmen and sophomores, right? You know, is, is there a better option than BJ Mack uh, in that group, or or grad transfers, of course? You, but but yeah, upperclassmen you can't really get. So in that range of players, is there a better option than him? 
I think and there I, is. I think yeah. there is him. And I, I don't know if that guy has, has entered the transfer portal yet. Um, I also, the thing I also didn't love about BJ Mack is that, you know, he's in his last year next year at Michigan, if he's there. And, and I'd love to see a younger guy that can grow into the program kind of, that's how you build your culture. So, so I do think that there will be more players that enter the portal and if you just jump out and grab the first guy, you may be saying, oh, man, I, I can't. You know, we recruited that guy out of high school, and he could really be perfect for I, I think I'd be patient with it. Yeah, I hear you. But, you know, something about the, the grad transfer, man, that, you know, the, the experienced guy that, you know, is is sort of more more grizzled. I he just seems to me to be a, a, a grimy, gritty guy. Uh, and I, I yeah. think this team needs some of that, right? Okay. Along, along with the experience, too. I, he kind of strikes me as a from-the-mud kind of guy in mm-hmm. terms of, of his play. I just think they could use a, a little more of that. Would it be the perfect fit? No. Uh, but I think he'd be a better complement than anything that we saw this, this past year. I know that's a very low bar. but agree. But here's the other thing. You know, he he named a top 10, Tim. Hmm. So there, there's something to be said for running the race, right? You you need to be, let's say you got other guys you're targeting. And, you know, it, it's going to be a minute before those guys emerge. You can't wait to try to get on BJ Mack down the line hoping to get on one of these guys that hasn't even emerged yet. You get on that guy that, that emerges and he goes elsewhere. And now you try to come back on BJ Matt. Well, it's too late. But if you recruit that, that soon to emerge guy or, or emerge target and things go to the wayside, at least you've been running a race with BJ Mack to the point where he's an option for you down the line. If he were deciding tomorrow, maybe, maybe like you said, maybe it's not the way to go, but the dude named the top 10 doesn't sound like he's on the verge of making a decision. No. And, and if you were to take BJ Mack, then all of a sudden you've got, you've got a lot of players at the four. Um, I really liked what Juwan did against Vandy playing at three, two with Hunter and Terrace Reed on the blocks. You know, that, I thought that was pretty effective. And so I think that Terrace has shown as he gets older, he's going to play some backup four minutes. And if you've got BJ, what all of a sudden Terrence Williams and Will Cheddar are your fourth and fifth four man or third and fourth. That that's a that's a real log jam. I kind of wonder what's going to happen there. Yeah. I, it, well, yeah, I think the, the portal has a way of influencing the guys that are on the roster. Jalen Llewellyn and Frankie Collins is a perfect example, right? They mm-hmm. when got Jalen Llewellyn and Frankie Collins was out of here. So I, I think you have to certainly uh, expect that to maybe be um, uh, something that could affect things for Michigan this year too. Uh, Isaiah Barnes, we didn't mention already, is in the portal, right? And you know, guys have decisions to make about what they think their role can be here versus what they think it could be elsewhere. And I, I would not be surprised if you have another guy or two, even before we see what happens with the portal kind of say, you know what, I, I can kind of see maybe some, some, at least a guy. I can maybe see my, my opportunities being more more bountiful uh, elsewhere. Time will tell on that. Yeah. 
So I agree. We'll Sam. See, yeah, it's always, always riveting to talk about. I, I guess the, the last one I'll ask you again is on the way out. What do you think of Hunter? I mean, you see Baycott decide to come back for a fifth year. Yeah. And I think that Hunter and Armando Baycott are similar. And, and I think that they're prototypes of what the college center is right now. And, and I, I think Hunter will come back. Um, I like the fact that when we talked to him um, two podcasts ago, he's, he's thinking legacy. I think he'd like to, to have his number retired someday. I think, I think he can, he can, he can build on what he did this year. It's just a question of, I don't, I don't know if he enjoyed the chemistry of the team and, and that may come into play, you know, on a, on a team that that's struggling chemistry wise, basketball can become a grind. And, and I, I don't think at the end of the year, Hunter was not having as much fun as he did at times earlier. Yeah, I agree with you, Tim. Well, you look, we go into off season mode where we, we start to go every other week talking recruiting, uh, talking camps, talking portal developments, talking combine. Uh, all of this will be relevant for, for Michigan in the coming weeks. And it'll be interesting to see if their assistant coaches wind up in the mix for any of these jobs. I mean, there was some talk about Saudi and Buffalo, uh, which was embellished uh, at the time. Uh, you know, when all of that stuff about it being a hot, hot, Top, you know, he's one of the hottest names in the uh, in the Buffalo search. He had not spoken to Buffalo at all, hmm. so it's crazy how the stories kind of kind of get out there like that. So I wonder I, about Penn State a little bit. Me too. I, he was in the mix for Penn State before, uh, so you wonder about you know what's what's going to happen there. Uh, you know, Howard obviously aspires to be a head coach again. I don't know if that's really on Phil's radar uh, anymore or not, but. Uh, we'll keep an eye on whether or not those guys wind up emerging uh, in any coaching searches as well. So plenty of reason to stay tuned for the next edition of the Michigan Basketball Insider. Be sure to like the channel. Be Be sure to like the video. Be sure to subscribe to the channel. That way you'll get a notification every time we put up another episode. If you're listening to this podcast, be sure to tell all your friends about it. They'll be able to find it on Google, Stitcher, Spotify, iTunes, wherever they like to get their podcasts. And, of course, you want to keep track of the print, the the video, you know, the message boards, and recruiting. Everything we do over on the MichiganInsider.com, $1 gets you in your first month. After you become a full pay member, you also get access to Paramount+. Plus. It is great bang for your buck. So, folks, thanks for stay, sticking with us all season long. Uh, Looking forward to talking to you on the next edition of the Michigan Basketball Insider. Baseball has begun, which means you need to listen to Fantasy Baseball Today in 5, part of the CBS Sports Podcast Network. Join Scott White, Chris Towers, and me, Frank Samphill, every Monday through Saturday as we deliver all of your fantasy baseball needs in just five minutes. We'll break down the biggest performers, news, and prospects who could make an impact this season. Make sure to download and follow on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, the Odyssey app, and everywhere else podcasts are found.